0: Hi, My name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Welcome. It's good to be together. And uh, it's, we want to especially welcome any first-time guests that we have. We're just glad you're here. We're in the third week of this series called Schooled, and that's good timing, right? Because all the kids went back to school this week. Uh, I saw a bunch of funny cartoons about this. I wanted to share a couple of them. One of them, there's like several versions of this one out there, actually. Teacher gives that typical assignment, you know, what did I do over the summer? And the little kid is like, well, if you followed me on Twitter, you would already know. <laughs> um, last week, Ben showed a funny picture of a kid, like, hanging on to the minivan and the mom, like, trying to pull him out to go to school. And then he talked about dropping off his son at, at college, and I found both of them <laughs> together in this one cartoon, that's pretty funny. Um, also, there's several versions of this one out there where you got a person... Hiding under the covers, like, I don't want to go to school. They're mean to me. They tease me. They pull my hair. They beat me up. And the guy at the door is like, Honey, no one said teaching would be easy. <laughs> Pretty funny. You know, it's back to school time, but you know, it's always a good time for us to be schooled by the master, by our rabbi, our teacher, Jesus. And no matter who you are, if you're a novice, a beginner, And all of this, or if you're someone who's been a disciple, you know, walking with the Lord for a long, long time, Jesus, he continually points all of us back to the same core truths, the places that we need to be in our faith. Uh, We we have this thing called the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus sort of parting words to his disciples, uh, to anyone who would follow him. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. And surely I'll always be with you. And so from this, we get our mission as a church. Our mission, Mountain Christian Church, is make disciples more and better disciples. That's what we do. Everything we do is all about that. So when we say that, though, we naturally have to ask, what does that look like? What does it mean to do that? And so one time, some people came up to Jesus, and, like these religious scholars, and they said, okay, of all the law and all the prophets and all the wisdom writings, the whole Hebrew scriptures, right, what is the most important commandment? Where should we focus? And he says, the most important one is this. He, said, he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second one is like it love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. In, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus gets asked a different question. Instead of what's the most important commandment, they say, hey, what do I do to inherit eternal life? <clears throat> he gives the exact same answer. His answer is love God with everything you got. Love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. And they're like, well, who's my neighbor? And then he tells this story that we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan, which basically teaches us that my neighbor is whoever's in my path. My neighbor is whoever is in need that I, that I run across. So we say, serve the world. All right, so we got this thing uh, we've been looking at, right? And we call it the mountain walk. You know, some people say, I've heard different churches talk about, some, sometimes they say we have these relationships up, in, and out. I've heard others say, uh, celebrate, connect, and contribute. We say love God, love people, serve the world. Same thing. We call it our mountain walk. We got arm motions to go with it. Are right, you ready to do them with me? Anybody remember? Are right, you ready? We say love God, love people, serve the world. All right, y'all got to wake up. Let's go. All right. Last week we went through all of this and we focused in particularly on love God, right? And we talked about the two components, worshiping together and abiding alone. And we ask the question, when? And if you if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, catch up with the podcast, catch up on the website. Next week, we're going to talk about serving the world and get down and get going. We're, asking the, we're going to ask the question, where? And I hope you'll be back next week for that. Today, we're going to focus in on love people, which we like to break that down and say, hold on and reach out. And the key question for today is who? But before we really get it, we're going to come back around to that question. And First, I have to talk about, and I, I wrote the other three questions that are sort of being left out. They, they, I felt bad for them. But they're going to also help us talk about small groups. One of the things that I have to talk about today is small groups. It's such a key part of our approach and our strategy for loving people. And so I remembered a funny story. Uh, just three or four years ago, I was on an airplane, met this guy. We were, we were chatting, making small talk. He's a business guy, sort of a nominal Christian. He said, yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. Not really. I don't go to church, Whatever. And uh, I told him I was a pastor. He actually continued to talk to me. Often that's when people kind of go, oh, cool, and put the headphones on, you know. Um, So we're chatting. There's a little break in the conversation. And and I see him get this grin on his face. He starts kind of giggling to himself. And he says, man, I got to ask you a question. Is your church, this church of yours, you know, is it one of these churches that does the little groups? You guys have little groups. I hear people talking about these little groups. And he just thought it was like the funniest thing. That Christians have their little groups. And I was like, yeah, we're one of those churches. And I tried to explain it to him, I guess. I probably did a little too much what and how, because I don't think I really inspired him. You know, if I get up here and just talk about what small groups are, I'm going to invite so many of you to just tune me out, because many of you already know what they are, and half of you probably don't care what they are. And uh, if I just start talking about how they work, that's not going to get us where we need to go today. We need to talk about why. You know, the goal for our time today is not to gain some more information. It's about inspiration that leads to life transformation. That's why we're here. So we start with the why question. Why do we love, why do we focus on loving people so much and emphasize it? And why in particular do we teach and practice uh, and hire staff around and put a lot of energy into these small groups? Those little groups that, that my friend asked me about. There's a lot of reasons. Okay. First of all, there's just sociology. We just know over the years and, and across cultures and contexts that there's, there's sort of this sweet spot that has proven to be a good size for learning and teaching. Seven to 12 people there, okay? It's just, you know, it's not quite too big. It's not quite small enough to, to, to have some disadvantages. It's just what they call personal space, which falls between the larger social space And public space, but it's not quite down into intimate space. It's just the data shows that it's a good way for people to learn and grow. So we we can't ignore that. Secondly, there's a theological reality that we are paying attention to. There's this great mystery at the core of our faith that's called the Trinity, right? We believe, uh, and Jesus mentioned it right there in the Great Commission verse that we read earlier, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is one, one god in three persons one essence in three different expressions and we can't really totally explain this we never will but we believe it <clears throat> and we believe that it what part of what this means is god not only approves of you know doing life in community god actually is community he exists as community so relational closeness this is, not, this, this is something that's inherent to who God is, and therefore it ought to be inherent to you know, a core value and something that's really important to how we live if we are image bearers of God. Then, of course, Jesus himself, he's already mentioned it. We've already heard him say how important loving people is. He also modeled it, right? He modeled holding on and reaching out and, and, and his lifestyle. When he came and launched his mission on this planet to establish God's kingdom and, and save the world, one of the first things he did was he started a small group. And he had different layers and levels of circles of friends and followers and stuff. He spoke to big crowds. But really what he did daily was he invested and poured into these 12 guys. And he walked with them and he served alongside them and did life together with his little group. So to help us today, I, I want to teach you guys something um, very important. I'm from the south. And down there, we talk better than y'all do here, okay? We, we, uh, we have actually improved upon the standard English language. And you may, you're probably thinking, well, that's just his opinion. I disagree. Well, if that's what you're thinking, I, I want to tell you that you're wrong. And it's a fact that I will now prove, okay? Watch this. <laughs> so let's say you, one of you guys needs to tell one of your kids or your roommate, an individual person, that they need to go to the store. You say or you write a note that says, you need to go to the store. Right? Okay, now let's say you need to do that for both of your kids or all three of your roommates or something. It's the same sentence. You need to go to the store. That can get confusing. You have to start adding words, right? You have to write their names or you have to say, you know, all of you or you guys. Or if you're from Jersey, you guys. If you're from, if you're from England, you say you lot. And we're just adding words. Now we're just being wasteful and inefficient. Okay? But, and, and just about every language in the, on the planet except for non-Southern English has a word for you plural, right? And you know which one we have down south, right? What is it? Aww. Y'all. That's right. It's a beautiful thing. And I got to give a shout out, actually, to my, my friends from Pittsburgh, Western PA. Y'all have yens. You got yens, which is, you know, that's a nice try. <laughs> so now, what if I told you that because of this deficiency in our language, we've been missing out on some of the real meaning of Scripture? What if I told you that in the overwhelming majority of the time when you read the word you in an English translation of the Bible, it actually should say y'all. This is true. Hebrew and Greek, they each have a word for you plural, different words for you singular and you plural, like we do down south. But when they get translated into regular old English, they all just become you. And this, comp- compounded with like our, just our Western individualized way of thinking that's so bred into us, it causes us to misunderstand some things. I'm going to give you three quick examples, Okay. You probably heard this before. 1 Corinthians 3:16. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? So we read that and we and we think and listen, I'm not what I don't want to say is that the individual understanding of some of these scriptures is now totally untrue. Scripture functions on many levels at the same time as part of the beauty of it. But we've been taught mostly to read that and say, "Okay, so my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, I need to care for my body, so the Holy Spirit deserves a decent place to live, right? Like, so you comfortable in there, Holy Spirit? Like, I'm really sorry about the, you know, the Mexican food last night. That was probably a mistake. But listen to, listen to this more accurately translated. Don't y'all know that y'all yourselves are God's community, or God's temple, that God's temple, the God's Spirit dwells in y'all's midst. Okay, so we are God's temple. The community, all of us together, that's a little bit of a different understanding. Here's another one. First no, uh, Corinthians 10:13, "No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it." That's a scripture I've honestly had some trouble with in the past because I feel like I've seen and known people who love God, who say they believe in Jesus. Individuals, I've seen them be overtaken and lose the battle to temptations that were greater than he or she was able to bear. Now read it like this. No temptation has overtaken y'all except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let y'all be tempted beyond what y'all can bear. But when y'all are tempted, he will provide a way out so that y'all can endure it. So maybe this means that you and I are going to be sorely tempted. But if I'm holding on to you, and you're holding on to me, and we're loving each other and doing life in community, maybe we can make it through the storms of life together. Here's one more, Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, this is Paul writing to them, As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we read that and we're like, okay, I'm going to go over here and in my corner, I'm going to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. And you go over there and you work out your salvation, okay? And don't bug me too much while you're doing it. Don't be too loud. And then we'll report back every now and then. But listen to it this way. Therefore, my dear friends, as y'all have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out y'all's salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in y'all to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Yes, I believe God speaks to individual people, but the fact is he almost always does so Through what he is saying to his people, to his community. God talks to you and me primarily through what he says to us. And that's a really, really important thing to learn and understand. So maybe you're like, okay, I'm tracking with you, that's interesting, but I still don't understand what I'm supposed to do, right? I mean, escaping temptation sounds great, being the temple of the Holy Spirit sounds awesome. Working out, our salvation with fear and trembling. That sounds really important, but what does it actually mean? Like, how do we do it? Well, let me introduce you or, or remind you of what we call the one another's. There's a little phrase that occurs over and over in the Bible, and translated into English, it, it becomes one another or each other. As best I can tell, it's used around 100 times in the New Testament to instruct us and, and command us on what we're supposed to do, or a few times on what we should not do. You know, to and with one another. As I share some examples, I want you to to filter it through the filter of loving people and particularly of holding on to one another. Uh, If you're a note taker, don't worry. I'm going to buzz through these. I'm not going to cite every one of them. They won't appear on the screen. But you can email me later. I'll send you like a much more complete list. These are all from the New International Version. Mark 9, be at peace with one another. John 13, Jesus is talking, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. He's talking about humbly serving one another. Paul writes uh, to his friends in Rome, These next several from Romans, about how uh, he longs to see them so that they may all be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Have the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. And that, that acceptance that he's talking about doesn't mean, uh, you know, I accept that you exist, fine, you know, and I keep my distance. It's talking about getting involved, getting into the messy world of relationship. In four different New Testament letters, <clears throat> we read this, Greet one another with a holy kiss. Before any of you go getting any ideas, okay? remember the holy part. I don't want any incidents this week or any harassment going on in my preaching getting blamed. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, Agree with one another in what you say and have no divisions among you, but be perfectly united in mind and thought. That is not going to happen if we just only get together in big rooms like this. It can only be achieved in smaller circles. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. In several different places we read this, encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13 adds, encourage one another daily. And none of us can do that for 5,000 people or 500 people or even 50 people. But every single one of us can do that for a handful of people. Be humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Submit to one another. Don't look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do not lie to each other. Have fellowship with one another. That word fellowship is way more than just greeting each other on the way in and out of a worship service or something like that. It's about, it's about deep, real friendships. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. That's not just the job of the worship pastors. That's everybody's job. Colossians 3, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hebrews 10, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. James five sixteen: confess your sins to each other. How about we get a couple volunteers right now? Who wants to come up and confess some sins? I'm just kidding. This is not the right setting for that, right? You know what it is A small group. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Galatians 6.2 is one of my favorite verses. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. These one another's, they're not necessarily easy to do. Okay? They're not what we end up doing just naturally. We have this sin nature. We are fearful. We're so easily tempted to just let our differences rule the day and just be divided and separated all the time. We're so insecure, we're so easily tempted to just not have any real friendships. There's statistics that are just tragic about how few real friends most adults would ha- ha- say that they have in our country. We're so busy, and we just fall victim so easily to the tyranny of the urgent. And we never t- make the time to invest in really important things like friendship and community. We tend to be out of sight, out of mind kind of people. So, you know, if we're, if we're not seeing each other, and I don't just mean seeing each other in passing, if we're not sitting in a circle sometime and looking in each other's eyes and really getting to know each other, we will not, we will drop the ball on caring for each other. We're not just going to stumble into this stuff. Doing the one another's, it does not happen in the context of a weekend Christianity. I like what I've heard some churches say. They say, you know what? Circles are better than rows. And rows are good, right? I'm so glad. I see right now when you have chosen, when, to come and worship together and sit in the, the row that you're sitting in. And I'm thankful for that. That's awesome. That's important. But I also need to ask you, what circle or circles do you ever sit in? Who is there? Who is there when you get real, when you hold on to each other in community and do these one another's? We also have to remember that reach out piece. One of the constant challenges in groups ministry is this balance that we ha- try to have. We, on the one hand, <clears throat> we need lots of groups that are going deep, that are, there, there's some longevity, they're in it for the long haul, you know, they're sticking together through hard times, there's depth and richness of relationship. And on the other hand, We need lots of new groups. We need open seats. We need people who are being developed as leaders in these groups to step out and and make a little bit of a sacrifice and say, you know what, I'm going to lead a group so that there's a bunch more open seats in my neighborhood or my area for new people to take a stab at this Jesus life and do these one another's and get that opportunity for the first time. And that's just a tension that we live with. It's not going to go away and that's okay. But as we think about reaching out, this aspect of loving people, we have to remember never to become these closed off little, you know, holy huddles where we're like, you know, we're we're going deep over here. We're so deep, man. We don't have time. We don't really have time to deal with these novices and we're going deep. We're holy. Because it's per- precisely when you start to think that way that you cease what you're doing ceases to be holy and it ceases to be deep. All we have to do is remember Jesus. Jesus had this heart for the lost. He had this incredible heart for the lonely, for the outsider, for the outcast, for the reject, for the person who's like, what's, what's going on? I'm uncomfortable. He found those people. He sought them out. Jesus was always inviting. He was always including. He was reaching out and he was pulling people in. He was reaching across barriers of all kinds. I've, I've long loved to talk about the one another's and teach about them, but in preparation for this sermon, I did sort of a fresh study of them, and I noticed a couple things that were sort of new to me. First, I noticed just how many of them, probably up to like a quarter of them, just basically repeated in a variety of different ways the same thing, which was just love one another, love one another. It always comes back around to that. If we are going to have Jesus-shaped groups, if we're going to be truly loving one another, then we can just never forget the critical importance of the reach out piece of this. Secondly, I noticed that several of the one-anothers described the followers of Jesus doing, they weren't doing these big, fancy, difficult things. They were just doing simple, basic things like talking to one another and asking one another questions. For example, when Jesus, you know, bursts on the scene, he starts healing and teaching. We read, it says this, the people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? This is a new kind of teaching. After Jesus calmed a storm with just words from his mouth, it says, In fear and amazement they asked one another, Who is this? After hearing Jesus tell a parable, it says they discussed this with one another. Mary Magdalene and some others on the way to the tomb to anoint Jesus' dead body after his crucifixion, they asked one another, Who will roll away the stone? Luke 24, On the road to Emmaus, a couple of the followers of Jesus, they had been hearing these strange reports that... He's like, he's risen from the dead. He was dead, now he's alive again. What's up with that? It says they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. And I love this one I never noticed before. After Jesus told his disciples, one, one of you is going to betray me, his disciples stared at one another <laughs> at a loss. Like the ultimate just like awkward moment. They stared at one another. It surprised me how many of the one another's are just they're just about being together in a moment, following Jesus, immersed in the story, on the way. And then they just turn to each other and they say things like, So, like, what's up with that? Wait, what like what did he say? So, what does that mean? How in the world are we gonna tackle this obstacle? wait, um, did, you, did you guys see that too? Okay, I, I, I'm not crazy, right? Or sometimes even just having someone there to just stare at each other at a loss for words. And then eventually discussing it, <clears throat> processing it together, working out our salvation and our faith with fear and trembling. So if we're going to be a church that loves people, We simply have to be creating and maintaining and encouraging these kinds of relationships and environments. We have to have a variety of groups, we have to have growing groups, we have to have welcoming groups and always multiplying lots and lots of lots and lots and lots and lots of new groups in different places. And even if they're not quote unquote small groups or Bible studies, we need to help facilitate a culture in which the groups that otherwise naturally form, such as serving teams, families, Roommates, work teams, sports teams are encouraged and equipped to be little communities within this community, within the big large C church community, the one church of Jesus, where these kinds of questions and discussions are taking place. I found another one of these one another verses that basically just restates the Great Commission that we read at the outset. 1 John 3.23 says this, And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. In other words, reach out, make more, and make new disciples, baptize them, and hold on as you journey deeper together, growing into better disciples, teaching each other, learning from one another. To obey all of Christ's commands, chief of which is love one another. So that's that's a little bit about why we are one of those churches that has the little groups. It's not a program. It's not a guilt trip. What it is is an invitation. It's an opportunity. In fact, it is a privilege. I don't want you to leave here today thinking, I need to, I ought to, we got to, we have to carry each other. We get to carry each other. We have all kinds of groups around here. We got men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, young adult groups. We got groups for seniors in high school and groups for senior adults, both of which, interestingly enough, have some people with blue hair. (laughs) We have affinity groups around motorcycles and off-roading and surfing and we got finance groups, we got care groups, and around every addiction and issue you can think of, divorce care, divorce care for kids, celebrate recovery. We got Bible studies galore. We got mid-sized groups and small groups all over three counties, with open seats, ready for you to join one of them. We give out this connecting directory from time to time. You got one of these today, okay? It's just a paper version. Of what you'll see on our website, it's it's a, a very tangible way to just look and search and find a group, and you can stop by the connecting corner every every weekend. And on top of all that, I'm just I'm pumped because we're about to do something as a church where we're going to launch a bunch of new groups. And in and, and addition to that, it, we're going so much is going to happen. It's it's this really cool thing is coming up, and I get to sort of help roll it out today. It's called Awakening. Even as we're still wrapping up the School series, we're starting to think about what's coming next. We've just been seeing and sensing that God wants to wake us up in some ways. He wants to snap us out of it and do more and better things among us in in this community. And so uh, a spiritual awakening is not something you can plan, but it is something you can invite and welcome. And we're just asking God to wake us up. So if if you've ever felt like you, in some way in your life, you've been hitting the snooze button on the important questions. If you've ever felt like, You know, you're kind of on autopilot. If you've ever asked yourself, if I could start over, what would I do differently? This experience is going to be for you. We're going to attack that stuff and address it head on. It's going to be a weekend series with sermons and music and all kinds of cool creative stuff. It's going to be an alignment, which is sort of a word we use around here to say, we're going to ask all of these groups that I was just talking about to sort of pause what they're doing, and what they're studying, and we're going to study this. all study the same stuff. Kids, grown-ups, everybody, we're going to study the same stuff for a few weeks together. And I'm just telling y'all, when we, we do that periodically around here, and when we do, God does amazing, powerful things among us. It's going to be an amazing, inviting opportunity. It's going to be uh, that we're going to read this excellent book. Okay, this is the book. It's called Finding Your Way Back to God. And honestly, the only thing I really don't like about this book is the title. Because a lot of people don't believe in God. And a lot of people don't feel like they want or need to find their way back to Him. Or some people, you know, feel like, I've never left. I'm walking with God or whatever. So don't worry too much about the title. Worry about all the rest of the language in the book, which is about awakenings. The chapters are about awakening to longing, awakening to regret, awakening to need, awakening to love, and awakening to life. And I promise you, this is an excellent book. There's something of your story that you'll find in here. You're going to hear a lot more more about the what and how. But for now, I just want to direct you to some some really key next steps. First, I want everybody in the church to get to one of these launch events. We want to ask you to, to do that, particularly if you're disconnected or if you're at all intrigued by this one another stuff or what what I'm talking about today. Get to one of these launch events. A lot of them are happening right after worship services at our different campuses. There's food, there's childcare. Take a look at this thing you got handed today. Look on their website. There's a website, awakeningmcc.org. Even if you've been in a group for a long time, You want to take it to the next level. You want to be a part of this awakening thing. Get to one of these launch events. They're going to be awesome. Every week we stand up and say, if you haven't been to Welcome to Mountain class, that's your next step. Well, I'm telling you, one time only, limited time only, the awakening launch events are your next best step. And then after that, you can go to Welcome to Mountain. Get to one of these things. Engage with it on social media in your sphere of influence. Get the word out there. Share, like, tag, link, snap, pin, retweet, all that stuff. Get the book and read it. We're not getting paid to sell this book. We're underwriting part of the cost, actually. Get, buy some more if you can, and give them away. You know so, uh, this is our biggest deal since the story. If you've been around, you know what I'm talking about. It's a big deal. So dive in, be a part of it. Somebody told me I need to share what uh, Aaron and I are going to do. We're part of a really great small group that, that started with this story a couple of years ago. And uh, we just told our group the other day, like we've been feeling this, this heart for our neighbors. Okay, so we, we, you know, we do the little, the little, what am I doing? It's right here. We do the little tic-tac-toe thing that we say sometimes. This is our house. This is our street. Here's Drew. Here's George and his family. Okay, here's Lee and Tony. Here's uh, um, Davey and his family. Sorry, I'm blanking. Here is uh, Miss Marie. Here's Brian. Here's Jason. No house here. And we're getting to know all these other people all around in our neighborhood, up our street, through our kids, and walking in the neighborhood and stuff. And we're just feeling like this heart for them and realizing how few of those people have ever actually been in our home after living among them for three, four years. And so we told our group, <clears throat> here's what we're going to do. We're going to step out of our group that we love for, for these five, six weeks. And we're going to cook dinner. We're going to buy a book for every, all these people, spend some money. We're going to write a letter, and then we're going to put it in their hands and tell them what it says in the letter. And we're going to say, look, we're going to, we're going to have dinner at our house every Thursday night for five weeks, and you're invited. And there's no strings attached. We just want to get to know our neighbors and cook you dinner. And then we're going to say, after that, there's we're going to pop in a 10- to 15-minute DVD, and you can leave after dinner if you want, no no pressure. But if you want to stay, we're going to watch this thing and talk about it. We're doing this thing as a church called Awakening, and here's, here's the deal. We're going to invite them, and then we're just going to pray like crazy, and see what God does with that. So that's what we're doing. Now, that's the best I've got to try to inspire you you guys to love people and hold on and reach out and do these one another's. I can't help but think that now might be a moment when many of us need to step up and step into a fuller expression of the Christian life. But nobody's going to make you do it. I mean, it's your decision. Now I put the word out on Facebook, asked a few people, you know what has your small group meant to you? What, how has your life changed since someone invited you into a small group? And with what time I have left, look, I know some of you probably can't help it, you're still thinking, he's the preacher, he's got to say this stuff, right? With whatever time I have left, I want you to listen to some words from the people sitting on the rows with you, who have no incentive other than just to share the good news of what God has done in their lives through their small group. So listen to this. Meg said this. Someone encouraged us to step outside our comfort zone, so that's what we did. We signed up for a small group. At first, each week, we would dread coming and contemplate not going. We said each week, okay, this is going to be the last time. But every single time, something would happen at small group that would keep us coming back. God truly worked through everyone in the group, one person at a time, to make an impact on us, big or small. Shortly after that, we ended up loving small group. Now when we have to miss a week, we hate it. Every single time we go, it refreshes us to get through another work week, no matter how tired or frustrated we may be with life. Coming to small group and hearing others speak about God and Jesus and their walks of faith helps us so much. Though we still do not speak up much in this small group, it means the world to us. Stephanie said this about the gals in her group, she said, they're my friends. With work and family, it's hard to make time for each other, but we do. We get together to eat, go to shows, study the Bible. We hold each other up in our most difficult times. We are the hands and feet of Christ to each other. We serve at the Welcome One Shelter together. I would feel alone without these women. Janet said, our small group has redefined the word community for me. We've, e- we've been there for each other in incredibly difficult times and in the best moments of our lives. Many of us never really had a close group of friends before. Now we're all opening up about the messy things in our lives. Divorce, mental illness, cancer scares, career changes, bad family situations, and the list goes on. We've all been genuinely transformed by this group as we carry each other's burdens We would do anything for each other, and we have this amazing bond because of Jesus. Kristen described going through an ugly divorce, but being befriended by a mountain gal. And they they met for coffee, and she encouraged her not only to continue going to weekend worship, but also to find a small group and plug in. She decided to risk it, even while thinking, how am I going to fit in this group? But I can honestly say, joining this group, this is her writing, I can honestly say joining this group has been the best thing I could have ever done for myself. From the moment I met them, they were unbelievably welcoming. I actually opened up and shared my life, my life story with them, which is a huge step for me. They just sat and listened to me without judgment. I really do not know what I would do without my small group. And I often wonder, how did I ever function without these wonderful women in my life? Thanks to my small group, I'm learning more about God and the church and how to live a happy and fulfilled life through Christ. John said this, We found found out my dad was cheating on my mom my senior year of high school. My mom and my sister and I had to move out into an apartment. We had no money to pay for movers, so it was all on me. I remember so clearly sitting on my front step, frustrated and crying, and just mad, trying to figure out how I was going to do this. I remember crying out to God The next thing I know, I see a truck and four or five cars coming down my street. It was my small group. I skipped our meeting that night. When the guys asked where I was, our leader told them what I was going through, and they all decided to come help. I was a young senior in high school, shaky in my faith. Those guys that night showed me how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I knew then I wanted to be a part of their community. I will never forget how much that night impacted me. Jordan said this, It's hard to put into words what our group has meant to us, but what I can say is that we now attend church regularly, talk about the service afterward, feel supported by others we can relate to, feel able to share our morals and beliefs, and feel like we have become part of a community we are ecstatic to raise our children in. This is all because one person, my friend Elise, opened her heart, her arms, and her mouth to invite us to this small group. I truly feel empowered by God because of all the people in our group. I've wanted to pray with our daughter now for a long time, but I haven't been able to. Last week, for the first time in my life, I prayed out loud and with my daughter. While it isn't quite a habit yet, it's a start. The folks in my group all may not know they're doing it, but being able to learn from all of them every week has given me the strength and motivation to not let our faith sit on the back burner anymore. And Todd just said this, he said, these people have gone from friendly strangers to friends to some of my closest friends. It is hard to describe it without going through it yourself. And I have pages and pages more of these that I could read to y'all. I know we have our obstacles. I appreciated some friends who wrote me with honest reasons why they've not gotten in a group yet. You know, too busy. Well, we're all busy. It's a matter of prioritizing and we make time for what matters. I got, you know, we got kids. A lot, of, a lot of these people have kids, and they're figuring it out. And you know what? Reach out to us. Let's, let's figure it out together. Let's innovate and come up with some groups that work better for people with kids and single parents. One friend just admitted he's been scared. That's why he hasn't done it. And It, it cracks me up how so many guys, you know, big, tough, strong guys that would run to a burning building, they're terrified of, like, coffee and real conversation. And I'm just, it's time to get over it. You know, man up my brothers and do the one another's. Maybe you're brand new and you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this today. You know, I think I'm just going to do, isn't it a thing where you like just do the weekend thing for a while and then eventually you do the small group thing? And I'm like, no, that is this false, wrong thing that we've put out there. And I apologize to you for that. This loving people and holding on thing. It's not 201, 301, 401 level. It's basic core stuff and you need to be thankful that you can just dive in in more of a full real way from from the beginning and i encourage you to do that you know we all need we are all created to experience the kind of life in the company of others that was described in those words that i just read so here's the question of the day who if you are already doing this on some level who invited you and if, if your answer would be nobody's invited me, listen, I'm inviting you now on behalf of Jesus Christ and on behalf of this church. You are invited into that kind of life. Who really knows you? Who's it hard for you to lie to? Who will notice when something's off with you? Who will call you out when you're in sin? Who will you celebrate with in the happy times? <clears throat> Who you cry with when tragedy comes? Who has refrigerator rights in your house? Who are you holding on to? Who? Who do you live near? Who do you work with? Who do you pass by and see regularly and rub shoulders with who needs God and needs friends? Who's on your heart? Who's in your prayers? Who needs something that you have to give? Who is lonely? Who will you invite? Who are you reaching out to? Hold on. Reach out. Love people. This is what we do, y'all. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your great love and for the opportunity to be here today just gathered in your name. I pray that you would show us and give us the courage, each individual, each family, and us as a community to take next steps based off of what you've challenged us with today. Lord, may we be a church known not just for an awesome weekend experience, but known as a community where your spirit dwells, where we are doing the one another's, for our own benefit and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.